You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.TV. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks. So this book is called Birth Without Violence. It says the book that is revolutionizing the way we bring our children into the world. It says Friedrich LeBoyer who has himself delivered more than 10,000 babies, presents his radical yet supremely simple techniques for easing the birth trauma and helping the new human being to start life without pain, confusion, and fear. And so again, my mother uh, told us to read this book. Uh, Interesting. So my mom, she obviously did not know about midwives back then or she would have done a home birth she wanted to do a water birth and for those of you who haven't heard about that it's when a woman you basically go into a pool it's about the size of a jacuzzi and you give birth uh, to the child in the pool and there's multiple advantages to that um, for the mom and for the baby and so for the mom it creates buoyancy okay so when you're going into contractions when your uterus is squeezing down uh, and tightening and helping push the baby out throughout the whole laboring process your body is actually fighting against itself because you're using your abdominal muscles to pull up on your belly right that's how you carry your belly at the same time the uterus is trying to squeeze and push the baby down so you end up fighting yourself and that's where a lot of the laboring pains come in so when you're in the water um, your belly is naturally sort of floating from the buoyancy and you're able to focus more on pushing the baby out and so across this whole process uh, my wife and i took a lot of water classes i went to her pretty much to every single one except maybe two uh, aqua classes everything from deep water that's when you're in the deep end of the pool and you basically wear a floaty sort of diaper and you're doing like richard simmons style aerobics in the deep end of the pool we had a very good instructor uh carrie who came to our baby shower she has been uh, become one of our friends and so carrie was the instructor for all of those classes and really got into breathing in in all the the properties of breathing which maggie my wife used uh in labor continuously i kept saying remember carrie remember carrie and so uh, we took a lot of water classes because we thought they would help with the uh, birthing pool and uh, we also took water yoga water pilates uh, i chi which is this uh, japanese form of water breathing and relaxation it means love energy I'll get into some of this in future shows. I'll probably have Carrie on the show to talk about this. And so we did a lot of those classes to help us with the water birth, some of the benefits to the child. 
is the child actually comes from a warm, wet place, you know, inside of mommy's belly, and then comes out into warm, wet water. They have uh, sort of these sensors in their nose, and they don't take a breath in, generally, uh, until they hit the air. So it's sort of moving them into the warm air, and then you lift them out of the water. And then they take their first breath. And so my mom wanted to do that, but the hospitals didn't offer it back then. Now there's several hospitals that have birthing centers in them and midwives that work in there, and you can do this. Uh, We had a birthing pool set up in what is going to be or what has become the baby's nursery. I bought a projector, like a, a little, yeah, they're like $80 now, a movie projector. Uh, not hooked up to smart technology, by the way, and then a projection screen, and my wife loves to hike. She loves the outdoors. Actually, she uh, one time hiked 21 miles in a 24-hour period, and so I set up a screen, and I was able to get some really good 4K, not choppy or bouncy, really smooth videos of hiking, so I had that projected up on the screen, and we had some really relaxing music playing, and so we used the birthing pool, and part of the process, you know, unfortunately, she wasn't able to deliver in the pool. We'll get into that in the next show, but uh, we tried, and it was really relaxing. I think actually almost too relaxing, and I'll, and I'll explain that in the, in the next show, but that is uh, this whole process. So my mom had said, I recommend reading this book. So she put some of these things into practice. She had a really cooperative doctor back uh, in 1981 when I was born. Okay, inside this book, and folks, I don't know if you're going to be able to find this book. When I bought this, I was able to find three used copies, one on Amazon and two on some used books website. And I ordered all three. There was actually a case of uh, 300 that someone had on eBay, like an original edition print. And I almost bought the whole case because I wanted to give them out. And I figured, oh, you know what? I'm getting them so cheap I could sell some and maybe make a little bit of a profit. And I didn't end up doing it. I actually regret it. But eventually, if I see some available, I'm going to get them. This is a book, whether you are going into uh, labor, whether you're pregnant, you know, or you know someone who's pregnant, or your daughter's pregnant, or your son's wife is pregnant, uh, that I recommend people read. But not only uh, people who are pregnant or are going to be giving birth, I recommend everyone reads this book. I think it would actually make the world a much better place. It would make us value life much more than we do. And it would make us fully understand that when we bring a life into the world, the ways in which we should think about that and how we do it. Because sometimes we make it about ourselves or we even make it more about the mom when it's really about the baby. I mean, mom has to be comfortable and mom has to be healthy, but we are bringing a human being into the world for the first time. And so that day, that process should revolve around that child. Now, we had to make some sacrifices due to certain risks that had come up in the pregnancy, and that's okay. I mean, we did what we needed to do, and in the end, uh, and I'll get into this on the next show, 
uh, as the person who was of sound mind at the time and who had to make the decisions. There were certain sacrifices I had to make, and as painful as those were, uh, when weighed against certain risks that were coming into play, uh, I had to make smart decisions, and I had to protect both my wife and the child from certain things that were on our list of never want this to happen. We do not want this to happen. Avoid this at all costs. So we made these choices on the fly, and we were a team, and that's how we were able to pull through this and to get about half of what we wanted. And on the end of the day, uh, we can explain to William, uh, he didn't get everything we wanted, but I think mom and dad worked and fought to make that day the best day of his life because it is the most important that is the day they come into this world and as crazy as this world is and you start to think when you're someone like me how irresponsible is it to bring someone into this crazy world at the same time it is our responsibility to have children and to keep you know the human species alive and to keep our bloodlines going and to fight back against the system one of the best things you can do is to have children and to raise them correctly and build our future leaders and future freedom fighters. All right, folks, so inside the jacket, I'm just going to read you this. It says, this is the history-making book that asks us for the first time to focus our attention on the infant just born, to examine and radically change what is being done in hospitals all over the world to the human being who has just emerged after hours of unavoidable tumult and pain from the once peaceful womb. This is the book that shows us for the first time how we can achieve for our children a birth without violence with all its momentous implications for the quality of human life, not only on the first day, but through all the days thereafter. The man who makes this plea to the world is Friedrich Leboyer, whose revolutionary yet supremely simple techniques for easing the birth trauma are stirring passionate interest everywhere. Leboyer has himself delivered more than 10,000 babies. Of these, the last 1,000 have been brought into the world in the new way that he here fully, clearly, and simply describes for the first time. Why, Leboyer asks, must a new human being emerging from the dark darkness and silence of the womb be brought out into a blaze of blinding lights and loud voices why he asks must we make the child's first breath a traumatic and fiery agony when nature has supplied the means for a far gentler initiation into the act of breathing why when the vulnerable spine has been curved do we insist on holding the newcomer upside down and jerking the back straight why is the baby after the terrifying experience of being separated from the womb then instantly separated from the mother why in short do we treat the infant not as a human being but as an object we do it says laboyer not because we are cruel but because we have never really thought about the infant and he shows us exactly how we can do uh, exactly what we can do do to replace the ugly mask of terror that we have until now taken for granted in the newborn with the peaceful wrapped expression that is so moving in the photographs of babies delivered without violence laboyer's argument convinces the simplicity and practicality of his methods astonish uh, the simplicity and practicality of his methods astonish. To read this book is to say yes. And this is illustrated with 40 photographs, jacket designed by Betty Anderson.
And so uh, I just want to let you know, when was this written, folks? This was written in 1976, uh, printed by Alfred A. Knopf, K-N-O-P-F. And if you're looking for it, it is called Birth Without violence so folks when i get back i'm going to read from this book trust me it is well worth it ladies and gentlemen this is a beautiful story a beautiful story to counter all of the darkness and the horrible things that we have to discuss here and you will see based on the first 86 episodes of this show how far away from the natural world we have come ladies and gentlemen and these practices some of which are still in practice today in the hospitals some of which i had to fight against in this system the next show is going to be amazing because i'm going to share all of the horrible experiences that we had at the hospital the battles that i had to wage in order to protect my wife and our at the time unborn child so when i get back ladies and gentlemen birth without violence my name is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, folks. All right, let me just show you for the uh, video audience that picture right there. That is the gentleman who wrote this loving book. And so it just says here, Friedrich Laboyer, born in 1918, was graduated from the School of Medicine, University of Paris, where he became the chef de clinique in 1954-1955 before devoting himself completely to his obstetrical practice. He has since 1953 delivered 10,000 babies and initiating the new techniques he describes in Birth Without Violence. His book, already a bestseller in France, is also being published in England, Germany, Sweden, Brazil, Italy, Holland, and other countries. And this is back again in 1976, folks. So, I'm on part one right here. There's a quote. It says, to be born is to suffer uh, by Guatama. It says, do you believe that birth is an enjoyable experience for the baby? Birth? Enjoyable? You heard me. Do you believe that babies feel happy coming into this world? You're joking. Why should I be joking? Because babies are just babies. Why is that supposed to mean? That babies aren't capable of intense feeling. What makes you so certain? Babies don't have fully developed feelings. How do you know? Well, don't you agree? If I did, I wouldn't be asking. But everybody knows they don't. Since when has that ever been a good reason to believe anything? True. But newborn babies can't see or even hear. So how can they feel unhappy? 
even if they can't see or hear, that doesn't stop them from crying their hearts out. A baby has to test its lungs. That's common knowledge. Nonsense. Well, that's what people say. People say all kinds of stupid things. But do you really believe that babies feel nothing at all while they're being born? Folks, come on. Do you not love this guy already? Those are all the questions we ask all the time. This is a doctor questioning people who say, you know, this is true. Really? Prove it to me. All right, let's continue. It says, obviously they don't. I'm not so sure. After all, young children suffer overwhelming agonies about things that seem quite trivial to us. They feel a thousand times more intensely than we do. Yes, I know, but newborn babies are so tiny. What does size have to do with it? Well, and why do they scream so loud if they're not in some kind of pain or misery? I don't know, a reflex, I suppose, but I'm sure they're not feeling anything. But why aren't they? Because they have no conscious awareness. Ah, so you think that means they have no soul. I don't know about the soul. But this consciousness, why is it so important? Consciousness is the beginning of a being, uh, uh, the beginning of being a person. Are you trying to tell me that babies aren't fully human because they're not fully conscious? Tell me more. Look at this, folks. So this is back in 1976. And Friedrich is talking about consciousness. Sounds quite familiar, right? With these technocratic transhumanists who believe they can upload their consciousness to a cloud. And as he says, consciousness comes from the soul. And I mentioned on this show before, these folks can try to build an artificial brain, artificial intelligence. They can build robots and cyborgs and genetic hack because they are just hackers and they are pirates and they are thieves and they are criminals and they are nothing more than a bunch of pirates but they cannot duplicate the soul and that is what ticks these people off folks that is what makes them upset and so friedrich acknowledges that consciousness comes from their soul and so i think you can start to see why i find this book to be so beautiful and if everyone read this we would be in a different world and people would be rejecting the ideas of technocratic transhumanism all right it goes on to say how many times have I heard that kind of discussion? It leads nowhere. Things are simple. It's we who complicate them. When children come into the world, the first thing they do is cry, and everyone rejoices. My baby's crying, the mother exclaims happily, astonished that something so small can make so much noise. And, does, uh, and how does everyone else react? The reflexes are normal. The machine works. But are we machines? Aren't cries always an expression of pain? Isn't it conceivable that the baby is in anguish? What makes us assume that birth is less painful for the child than it is for the mother? And if it is, does anyone care? No one, I'm afraid, judging by how little attention we pay to a baby when it arrives. What a tragedy that we're all so determined to believe that this thing can't hear, can't see, can't feel. So how could it feel pain? It cries. It howls. So, in short, it is an object. But what if it is already a person? And folks, now you know, I think, why I am so passionate about the things I talk about. I, I've been researching this stuff for many, many years, been involved with different elements of politics, political issues, you know, uh, political analysis. 
But I've been studying technocracy and transhumanism and the power elite for many years. But it wasn't until about seven months ago that I read this book and it really clicked for me. It made me understand exactly what it was I was actually fighting for, not just what I was fighting against. And so when we talked about on several episodes, synthetic wombs and designer babies and DNA spliced gene hacked designer children, you know, that is totally the opposite of this. Could you imagine growing a human baby, something with a soul, something with consciousness inside of a synthetic womb? It doesn't even come from its own mother. All right, it goes on to say, already a person, that is a contradiction of everything we believe. Common sense suggests we begin by looking at the facts, which tell us absolutely nothing, because babies can't actually tell us anything. They don't speak in words, nor do porpoises or birds, but that doesn't prevent them from communicating. Are there languages without words? Of course, we know there are. Only our vanity keeps us from acknowledging them just watch someone accidentally swallow something boiling hot and you see how eloquently he speaks without words he leaps up hops from foot to foot frantically waves his hands his face is contorted his eyes are watering whether he is from moscow mombasa or miami he's managed to say i've burned myself and say it without using a single word and compared to being born burning your throat is nothing at all if there's one thing a newborn baby doesn't lack it's the ability to express itself newborn babies don't talk let's wait a moment before making up our minds what more proof do we need that tragic expression those tight shut eyes those twitching eyebrows that howling mouth that squirming head trying desperately to find refuge those hands stretching out to us imploring begging then retreating to shield its face that gesture of dread those furiously kicking feet those arms that suddenly pull downward to protect the stomach the flesh that is one great shudder this baby is not speaking. Every inch of the body is crying out, don't touch me, and at the same time pleading, don't leave me, help me. Has there ever been a more heart-trending appeal? And so let me just show you to the video audience in this book, there are some amazing uh, photographs. So we're looking at a photograph of a baby with the umbilical cord still intact, and it's covered with vernix, which is that uh, white powdery looking uh, sort of dry slime all over the body which actually you shouldn't wash that off right away um, our baby didn't have that much because he was uh, cooking in mommy's belly for an extra two weeks and two days and so it starts to, to wear off but that's covered with a lot of uh, there's a lot of anti um, uh, bacterial properties in that it helps develop a natural immunity so you really shouldn't wash that off for the baby and let it naturally come off uh, over the first few days of their birth uh, we still have not washed william he smells fine we cleaned up his hair a little we clean his face uh, but overall 
whatever was left of the vernix, you let it come off naturally. Okay, it goes on to say, and yet this appeal, as old as birth itself, has been misunderstood, has been ignored, has simply gone unheard. How can this have been? How can this still be? A newborn baby doesn't speak. No, it is we who do not listen. It is we who do not listen. Very valuable lesson, folks. You're not listening to the words of the baby. Goes on to say, and so we begin to wonder, this little creature, already a person, suffering, howling with grief, but it's so young, so small. Again, something in us resists, doesn't wish to hear, refuses to believe. We close our eyes, we guard our precious peace of mind. Clearly, we find it intolerable to look, to see. Pictures of newborn infants are just not bearable. They could equally well be pictures of criminals who have undergone torture and or about to die. People turn away and say, no, I can't stand it. Or suffering? Do you really believe they are suffering? What you won't see can't hurt you. Others try to argue, but it isn't possible. Birth isn't like that, or we'd know about it. You're showing us an infant being tortured, a baby in the hands of sadists. No, it's nothing like that. It's only birth. No monsters, no sadists, just people like you and me, people whose minds are elsewhere. And so now there's another uh, picture of a child there crying, covered in the vernix, folks, all scrunched up, its mouth open goes on to say they have eyes but do not see blind men and women whose eyes are wide open do you want to watch them at it watch a small creature has just been born the father and mother gaze at it with delight the young practitioners share their joy so again there's there's another picture now of a baby in a little bath and uh, now this is a dreadful one they don't really do this anymore but this is uh, a couple of doctors with a mother, the baby's just delivered, they're holding it upside down by its two feet, and it's covering its head in uh, pain and agony, and they've got it held upside down like a, like a fish at a uh, dockside fish market, folks. It goes on to say, one dazzling smile lights up all their faces. They radiate happiness, all of them, that is, except the child. The child, oh dear God, it can't be true. This mask of agony, of horror, these hands above all, these hands clasping the head. This is the gesture of someone struck by lightning. The gesture you see in the mortally wounded, the moment before they die. Can birth hold so much suffering, so much pain, while the parents look on in ecstasy, oblivious? No, we can't accept it. And yet, it's true. Why is the young doctor smiling? Why does he look so pleased? Out of happiness for the child? Not really. He's completed his delivery. He's succeeded at something that's not always so easy. The infant is there, crying loudly, as it's supposed to be. The mother is safe. Everything is turned out for the best. The doctor smiles with relief. He is justifiably pleased with himself. But what about the mother? Radiant expression, ecstatic smile. But what is she smiling about? The beauty of her child? Not really. All right, so here's a close-up of that baby upside down, its mouth open, holding its head. 
And uh, I will get into the episode when I talk about our personal experience, the doctor that we ended up having to use at the hospital who, frankly, oh, you'll hear my words on this gentleman, folks, Dr. Uh, Simmons, Simmons, Uh, not the most pleasant gentleman, folks. All right, so it goes on to say she's smiling because it's over. She has completed her delivery without all the suffering the uh, she was dreading. She's amazed and relieved and justifiably proud of herself. She's smiling with delight. She's pleased with herself. And who can blame her? Finally, what about the father? A happy man. There will be a new generation. A baby who will grow up to reproduce trait for trait its father's perfections. And finally, this man, who may never before have truly created anything, has created a child. And so he is proud and pleased, but pleased with himself. Yes, everyone is pleased with themselves. As for the child, is there anything we can do? Happily, there is some hope. You will give birth in pain, says the Bible, but today a woman can give birth joyfully, a miracle. But how can she be joyful while her child is still being crucified? It cannot be. Should the woman then renounce her joy? No, certainly not. We simply now do for the child what we have already done for the mother, or at least we must try ladies and gentlemen what i'm going to do here is try to take a quick break my name is dustin gold stick with me folks i'm telling you this is one of the most important books of our time we research we dissect and we analyze the evil people that are controlling this world but sometimes we have to focus on the good people the people who try to bring love and joy and peace to this world someone like dr friedrich ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold i'll be right back this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 